Hi, I'm Katrina Daniel, and welcome to Primetime Crime, a podcast for people who want to know what goes on behind the scenes of the most notorious trending crime stories and what's going on in the minds of those involved in those stories. What are the detectives, the judges, the defense attorneys, and the prosecutors thinking? You'll hear it all on Primetime Crime, the podcast. Welcome to Primetime Crime, the podcast. On part two of our Ghislaine Maxwell series, I'll be talking with criminal defense attorney Joe Rosenbaum. Our conversation is coming right up. Attorneys for Ghislaine Maxwell are asking that she be moved into general population as she remains in federal custody in Brooklyn. That request came exactly one year after the death of Jeffrey Epstein at the Metropolitan Correctional Center. According to attorneys, Maxwell, who is accused of being Epstein's accomplice, is being confined alone and under constant surveillance. They also say she's been subjected to suicide watch protocols in the past. Joe, if you were Ghislaine Maxwell's defense attorney, what would your strategy be? At the outset, I would have her examined by the best team of mental health professionals in this area of the law to find out what makes her tick, to see what went on in her life, to see if that's anything relevant that we can use in her defense, either defensively or proactively. That's the first thing I would do. What are you thinking might be in that background that you might be able to use? You want to find the reasons why she may have done what she's accused of doing. What did Jeffrey Epstein have over her? What in her background may have caused her to be easily manipulated? She was under maybe under the control or dominance of another individual of which she could not get out of. So if you can find things like this, it could mitigate may not be a not guilty, but it would mitigate the sentencing. It could work it out to a, a resolution of the case. As a criminal defense attorney, sure, you want to win a trial, but you always have to be cognizant of the fact that it may not go to trial, and the best result might be a resolution of the case by a plea of guilty. So you got to look into those things to see if that could damper the steam that the government has going for it with all the publicity, all the emotions, and all the lead up into this case, which included Epstein and his death, but she's not Jeffrey Epstein. It's not his case, it's not his trial. If the government were to offer her, or the prosecution were to offer Ghislaine Maxwell a plea deal, what do you think that might be? What would she have to do? Well, the maximum sentence she could get is 35 years on all the counts that she's looking at. There's one 10-year count, and the rest of them are five-year counts. She's charged with two counts of perjury, for lying in a civil deposition related to this that took place. It was a 2016 case. So government may not want her cooperation, but if she is going to get a decent sentence, I think you always have to look at cooperation here because there are a lot of people, prominent people whose names have been circling in this case and the government may want to prosecute them and they may have evidence of it, but they need more in order to take a shot at some of the people that are out there that uh, were in the circles of Jeffrey Epstein. 
So that would be her best chance to one. Don't forget, she's 58 years old. There's COVID in the jails. It's going to be a very tough case to prepare. Anytime a client's in custody and you have as much discovery as they're going to get dumped on them, the digital discovery, and the trial's not set till July of 2021. Discovery deadlines are December of this year. So this defense team has to get up and running very quickly, and she's at MDC Brooklyn. So they're going to have to make arrangements. They really can't get in there now, I don't believe. Maybe they can. Maybe they've lifted the restrictions there. So it's going to be tough to go over the evidence with her, to get it to her, to make sure she has access to review all the digital discovery that she's going to get. Um, She has to do that whether she's going to cooperate or whether she's going to go to trial. But the mental health thing will help her too get a a decent deal um, as long with cooperation. But she's got to tell the truth. She can't hold anything back. She's already, you know, getting charged with two counts of perjury, which doesn't help the cause, but you need to look into that. If she's not, if she wants to have a life again and get out and rejoin society, she has to cooperate. I'm not sure she can beat this case if it went to trial. It's going to be a difficult road to go. Why do you say that? Well, you have three, right now you have three victims alleged in the indictment. There could be what's called 404B evidence. That is other women, other young ladies, now adult women, who were uh, trapped into this, who, although not in the indictment, could give testimony. For example, you know, maybe the ones from the Virgin Islands, he had a house down there as well. The ones in France, he had a house in France, Virgin Islands, New Mexico, Florida, and, and New York. So they could bring in people who initially didn't want to get involved, didn't want to be part of the case, and maybe couldn't be for jurisdictional reasons, that could be used as 404B witnesses, which means they could testify to similar conduct to show lack of mistake, identity, and the fact that the crimes were were committed. And they, they I'm sure they have, I don't know the case, I don't have discovery, but besides the testimony, I'm sure they have other things to corroborate and back up the three victims that are involved in the case. Yeah. Did you by any chance, Joe, get a chance to see the uh, the documentary on Epstein? I saw half of it. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That's yeah, pretty it damning. It is. And, and that's that's the thing. Just watching that, looking what the news could get on them. I mean, think what the prosecutors got, the federal investigators. Um, besides, you know, Riccari's not around anymore. The detective that, that started the investigation from Palm Beach, he was doing a pretty good job. But uh, things went off the, the tracks there, and it left a path for the federal prosecutors in New York to follow. Okay, so let's talk federal prosecutors in Miami for just a second. Let's talk Alex Acosta. What kind of a sweetheart deal did uh, Jeffrey Epstein get from Acosta? A real sweetheart deal. Why? I don't know. But it was a real sweetheart deal. And, and, and it shows it's a sweetheart deal because of what the Southern District of New York is doing now. Explain that to people who aren't lawyers. Well, Southern District of New York looked at what happened in Florida, put together their own case, including Florida, and indicted Jeffrey Epstein up there, which meant there was a prosecutable case. And it's a serious case because these women were all underage and their lives have been ruined by what happened. And they've been living with it their entire lives so far and will continue to live with it. So it's a horrific crime. And for someone to get a slap on the wrist that they got for no apparent reason um, did not make any sense that the, the... it, now in New York, you're seeing what's coming to light. So somebody in the Southern District of Miami dropped the ball big time. Who it is, I don't know. If it's Acosta himself, 
the people that worked under him, the investigators. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, the buck stops at the top, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's why Acosta is no longer in the cabinet. Stopped right at his desk, and he left. Yeah, he did. I've been told that, oh, he just didn't have the experience and didn't have criminal experience, blah, blah, blah. But um, as Judge Alex Ferrer said, you don't get to be the U.S. attorney in the fourth largest district in the country with you don't have experience. Well, it's not just that. The people that he has in his office, his deputy chiefs and the, the people that run the divisions, there's a lot of experience in the Southern District of Florida. In fact, they try more cases than any other district in the United States. It may be the fourth largest, but there's more there's more criminal trials and trials in the Southern District of Florida than New York, California, anywhere. So the staff that they have at that office, not only do they come from the best law schools and undergraduate schools in the country. Well, then how did this happen? Big mystery. I think okay. Mr. Acosta is going to have to tell you. you. You were saying that people said that Acosta didn't have a lot of experience to be the U.S. attorney. Um, even if he didn't, his deputy chiefs, the people that supervise his divisions and his trial lawyers down here are the best in the country. These people all come from top law schools. They come from good undergraduate schools. And before they even get into his office, they've either had a clerk for a federal district court judge, appellate judge, or Supreme Court justice, or work in major law firms where they get trial experience before they're even accepted here. And then they're trained. So the trial lawyers, the staff that works under the U.S. attorney down here in the Southern District of Florida is the best in the country. They try more cases than any other district more than New York, more than California. So he has all this talent at his beck and call and to assist him in making the decisions, even if he was unprepared for the job. So I don't buy that. If you were Ghislaine Maxwell's defense attorney, would you encourage her to take a plea? Too early. I would discuss it with them. A lot of times it's timing for each defendant. Some defendants say, I want a plea, let's work it out. And you know where you're going. Other ones want to fight it, and you need to let them know of the alternatives they have and discuss each alternative with them carefully so that they understand it. And one of the alternatives, of course, is trial. Two is a plea without cooperation, and three is a plea with cooperation. Those are your three alternatives, and discuss it with her. And she may not want to plea. She may not want to cooperate. She may say, hey, I want this show. Let's fight it and see what happens. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't. I'll be 60 years old by the time I get sentenced. It is what it is. And do I really want to go to federal prison as, as notorious as I am would be the rest of that question. Yeah, but that wears off. You know, you're there and after a while you're so-and-so. Um, Martha Stewart survived. You know, the people from Boston in the school scandal survived. I mean, it's, it is, it is, it is what it is, but you got to make that decision. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of pressure to cooperate because there are a lot of people um, who are well known, who were floating in the circles of Jeffrey Epstein and Miss Maxwell, who right now have to be very uncomfortable. And I'm sure the U.S. Attorney's Office is going to put as much pressure as they can on Miss Maxwell to come in and give it all up and cooperate with the government so they could put an end to all this because they've said they'd love to speak to Prince Andrew. Um, I mean, it's him. You got other people 
who who's whose names you see pictures with. You see, you've seen Clinton with him. You've seen Dershowitz with him. You've seen the president with him, the current president. Uh, you've seen a lot of people. So who knows what really went on? And a lot of people went, went to the Virgin Islands with him in New Mexico. So I'm sure the prosecutors would love to uh, kind of hit the pinata and open it up and get all the goodies that come out of it. And this would let them do it. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on her. And that's why they wanted her in, no bail. This is the, this, this is the start between the COVID, no bail, being in solitary confinement, and knowing what's going on, she's, gonna, she's in a tough place. If she were your client, would you fear for her safety in prison? I always fear for all my clients' safety in prison because it's usually not the best crowd in there with you. Um, we don't have any definitive answers of how Jeffrey Epstein was killed. It may have been suicide. It may not have been. Um, but you have to have a healthy concern. And I'm sure the uh, Bureau of Prisons has a healthy concern because there were changes in positions after the Epstein death. So I'm sure they're going to take very good care of her and watch her and look after her to make sure nothing happens. Let's talk about bail. Why she didn't get bail. Yeah. How about okay. that? Let's talk about that. Number one is she has a citizenship in three countries, the United States, Great Britain, and France. If she were to get back to France, there is no extradition with France for French citizens. So she would be untouchable, and the United States could never bring her back. Also, the bail package that she submitted to the judge was woefully insufficient. This is a woman that has 15 to 20 bank accounts, paid cash in December of 2019 for the estate she was living on in New Hampshire, had private security guards, has a lot of wealth and she refused to do a financial statement for pretrial services. So they could not get a handle on the wealth and the amount of money and where it is. So therefore, how does a judge know if a $5 million bond, which is what they asked for, was significant for her in, in her price range, so to speak? Then they said they had five or six friends and associates that would post the bond. Nobody was mentioned by name. Right. There were no affidavits. And when, when, when people post bonds, the way I think it should be done, and some judges do it, they question the per person who's pledging the money or the property. Do you understand that if she doesn't show, you're going to lose your property? You're going to lose your million dollars. You're going to lose your estate. You're going to lose this. Do you understand that? And sometimes people don't realize it until the judge really hits them in the eyes with it, and they back off. So if you're going to post a, a bond on a case like this, if I'm the judge, I want to see those people by via Zoom, however, right now, and I want to ask them those hard questions, what they know about the case, where the money's, you got to know the source of the funds too. Where's the money coming from? Is it ill-gotten gain? Is it, is it money that you've made? Is it legitimate funds, number one? And number two, is there any back agreement that if she flees and the bond's forfeited, is she going to pay you back with her resources? That's why her resources are important as well. So these are things that the bail package on its face was laughable. I don't think it had enough in it. It had no meat in it and nothing for the judge to hang her hat on. So I thought it was a mistake to file a bail package so insufficient so quickly. Really think about it. You know the government's going to fight you. Talk about all the other things we just talked about, including cooperation, to see if you could put that in with a bail package to back the government off a little bit. And definitely beef it up with affidavits, live testimony, um, 
source of the money, where it's been, how long it's been there, tax returns, things that are going to be kept under seal will never get out. But the judge needs to know these things. And it'll give you some credibility in obtaining a bond for your client. Can she, for example, if I were Ghislaine Maxwell and I had 20 plus million bucks and I wanted Carmen and a couple of my friends to uh, step up for me, could I give them the money? No. No? The judge wants to know the source of the money. And if you're giving him the money, that might not be good enough. Because she could always put up the money herself and say, judge, I'm putting up my own money. Why are you now kind of laundering it and hiding it to another source? Judges don't like that. You got to tell the truth. If you want to be out on bail, it's risky. You can you can end up saying things and doing things that hurt you in the case. And the goal is, is to get an acquittal. So you don't want to hurt yourself. It's a balancing act. You don't want to be in prison to prepare for a trial, especially one like this, because it's difficult for your lawyers and it's difficult for you. It's much easier being out on bond and coming to the lawyer's office every day and spending eight hours there every day preparing on your own computer and having a, a, a workplace that's conducive to preparation. But in prison isn't. Nope, not at all. And even though they'll tell you she has access to a computer, you know, maybe they'll make an exception for her. But my clients usually have a hard time getting on the computers because there's so many, all the discoveries digital these days and not right. every, everybody has a uh, computer. Right. And it's not like every cell is equipped with a secure computer, right? That's correct. No, no way it can't be hacked into. And no. with the, with the COVID stuff going around in the prisons and it's there, you got to leave your cell. You got to go to where the computers are and it's been touched by somebody. I doubt they have Lysol. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's a hardship especially during this pandemic to prepare. New York's not as bad as it is down here in South Florida right now, but it could open up again. You never know. Do you think it's going to go to trial off the top of your head? I don't know. I've never met her. I don't know what her frame of mind is. I, I don't know where she's at. Don't forget, she, she hasn't fled. She's been here. She's been accessible to some extent. Um, she called the prosecutors after Jeffrey Epstein's arrest. Um, you know, she, she may be, depending on her mental makeup, she, she may want to go to trial. Um, hard to tell. I think, you know, my, my bet is that she may go the cooperation route and try to get her sentence pushed down under 10 years. Do you think she should be scared in jail? No, we're not really healthy respect. She's in isolation. She's in solitary. No one has any contact with her and they're going to watch her like a hawk. I think the scared part is over. She was in, arrested, taken to New Hampshire, was in custody there and then transported down to New York. She's over in Brooklyn. She's not in the same prison that, that Epstein was. He was in Manhattan right near the federal courthouse. She's over uh, in MCC Brooklyn in the women's detention center there. I mean, one of the things that's interesting, she refused even to give pretrial services the name of her husband. Yeah. Why would that Suppose? be? I don't know. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get out on bail. I mean, if you don't give the name of your husband and you don't start telling about your finances and answer truthfully to, to pretrial services, they're an arm of the judge. If you're not telling them the truth, how can the judge believe you that you're going to show up for trial? And don't forget, in these counts, there's a presumption of detention. Certain counts in these particular charges, like drug trafficking, where there's minimum mandatory, there is a presumption of being detained. Not only you have to overcome the presumption, in many federal charges, there's a presumption of no detention. So if the government asks for it, they really have to make their case. Here, by statute, there's a presumption of detention. So she had to go in and make a case for being released on bail, but she had to overcome that presumption. 
the tougher way to go. Which she obviously didn't overcome that presumption. No, not at all. Presume that you're going to, based on these charges, there's a presumption that you're going to be detained. Coming in, if you say nothing, the judge is going to detain you. In other, a lot of other other charges, there's a presumption that you get bail without saying a word. So you've got to rebut the presumption, and that's a tougher road to go. I'm Katrina Daniel. Thank you for listening to Primetime Crime, the podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Primetime Crime, Instagram, Primetime Crime 7, and Twitter, Primetime Crime 3. Post your comments and tell us what true crime stories you'd like to hear about. Subscribe to Primetime Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. 